Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. I'm Hope BC Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. It would safe to say that uh, we're in some crazy times right now, and uh, no more so for the for the for the community, for the uh, for the country, for the for the world, and 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 drilling down into the into the fire service today. Uh, speaking on the podcast with uh, with Dan Derby, who is uh, the uh, not only the president of the Fire Chiefs Association of British Columbia, but also the regional fire chief for Kootenay Boundary Regional District, and joins us today on the podcast from from Trail. Hi, Dan. Thanks for doing this. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you today? I tell you, you know, as we said, we're in some crazy times and, uh, uh, you know, it's it's something we talked about, all of us, we get together and talk about our roles in emergency management. And is is this, I mean, obviously unprecedented and something we have never seen before? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, this morning, meeting with our emergency manager, like we 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 practice, we train, we do exercises to focus on you know flooding and wildfire response and and pandemic offers uh, some unique challenges from the perspective of you know in the fire service we're very good at making decisions and taking direction and a very structured approach to incident command and and here we are kind of um, now blending uh, health authorities into the lead of the discussion. And now our, our province and the federal government is is also, you know, providing that that oversight and direction. And so, it's a real time for us to to morph and learn and grow on on how we support our communities, because that's ultimately our goal is to support uh, safe uh, a safe community and ensure that our members are safe when they respond to the needs of the community. The the, the two factor sort of uh, thing that we're talking about. I mean, to be there for the community, but also be there for the firefighters. You know, I was asked the other day about about you know what are you doing about uh, potential for for shortage of staffing. And in my world, in the volunteer world, that's kind of an issue every day. Uh, has have you? Would you share that same uh, that same uh, thought? Yeah, I mean, locally within our region here, we've. Um... You know, we've suspended practices for our volunteer and paid on call fire stations. Um, we have uh, closed our fire stations to public access. We are uh, really trying to make sure that we can continue to deliver service. Uh, we're asking our incident commanders, you know, should we have a significant event um, to think about where those resources are coming from, to those mutual aid resources? Uh, are they going to be in the same bind that we might be from the perspective of what capacity do they have to support? Maybe releasing resources sooner from a larger incident to make sure that uh, we main that con- or, sorry maintain that continuity of service as best we can. I've talked about the too much too soon is better than too little too late that we have approached that we have in the fire service and emergency services. This is what's happening now, at least in Canada. Would you agree? Absolutely. I'm. I, I'm. Uh, I'm. It's another day to be a proud Canadian. Nobody's writing the script for this one until uh, till the book's closed. You know, um, we're we're having to make some stuff up as we go, but thank God we've got good leadership um, in our elected officials, but also within our fire and emergency services. And you know, I, I think of a uh, young lady, Dr. Henry, there, and the amazing work that she's doing, and 
in such a challenging time. Um, daily, we look for her update to provide us with that leadership and a, and a sense of calm that we will get through this. We all have to respect our place in the chain of command in this event. While it's, uh, we have a significant role, we're, we're maybe not in the leadership role that we're used to being in. And, um, and I think this is an opportunity for us to share with our local government brothers and sisters that this is how we make decisions on an operational basis and power them and support them as they deal with decisions around maintaining facilities and how we maintain business at a local government level throughout this. And Dr. Henry, of course, being the provincial health officer in British Columbia and like her colleagues across Canada doing that same uh, role, if you are playing that same role in leadership, it's, uh, it is actually quite remarkable to see this all unfold as it is. Now, talking about the fire service, there is a article just posted in Firefighting in Canada magazine on, on, the, uh, on the website at uh, firefightingincanada.com, uh, reminding, uh, reminding policy leaders on behalf of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs that the fire service is or are all hazard responders. Is this an important message that should be delivered now to policy leaders and, and governments? Absolutely. Very early on in this event, we, you know, the fire service was engaged, paying attention and listening. And and uh, I can remember in my own station here, you know, having discussions about our PPE supplies and how we were going to get ready to support the needs of the community moving forward. What we're realizing over the last couple of weeks is, is the need for that leadership and support, uh, not only at our local government level and to uh, the people that we report to, but also as an association. Um, as president of the Fire Chiefs Association, um, I initiated a, a COVID-19 committee that is made up of uh, some of our uh, members. And the goal of that committee is to provide factual, timely information to our members to ensure that they have the information that they need uh, in a consistent format to make the decisions on service delivery that they have to make at a local level. We're not telling our members how to deliver their service. We're empowering them and giving them the best information that we can in a timely fashion, accurate from the right resources, the health authorities, the provincial government, the federal government, to allow them to make the decisions that are right for their communities. It's an important role that the association has to play, and I would think it's happening at every uh, at every level from the provinces right through to the national associations. I believe it is, Tom, and and you know, and it's one of those ones where uh, if I have a minute to pick up my phone and look at the news, I you become overwhelmed so quickly. Um, so we really need to be uh, reflect and, and, and just work with the, the products that are, are the ones that are in line with our role and responsibility. And, and that comes from the federal government, our provincial government, our local health, or our provincial health authority. And that's where our leadership decisions are coming from. You've been involved as obviously in, you know, in your emergency management career in, in different aspects. Again, the all hazards approach beyond fires. And dealing with the responders. Now, again, some of our people across Canada may not necessarily be responding, but certainly, again, you say pick up the phone, find out what's going on, and, and, and almost, almost afraid to turn on and see what's, what's happening because of something new that's going to come along. That mental wellness side, has that been a concern, do you think, uh, among the fire service? I, I think it's always a concern, Tom, and I think we have a role to support our members and, and uh you know, no longer is, is suck it up appropriate. You know, our work-life harmony is probably going to go out the window for a little while. 
Um, but this is a time where we are good at rolling up our sleeves and getting to work and, and supporting our communities. And, and some, somehow we need to find the, the, the balance or harmony in that to um, support our members. And locally at the, at the lunch table here today, we're talking about just a few little details around the station from the perspective of as we've rolled back and reduced our duties, you know, what does that look like within the firehouse? And how do we support each other? In one way, this could be a, a time where we actually have better conversations about mental health because we're not pushing our crews to go out and do company inspections and 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 be out in the community. We're we're saving those resources for when we need to respond to calls, and we may have a little bit more time to uh, to reflect and and talk about our own self care. Business as usual to a point, obviously, as you say, not out in the community and not able to reach out. I think a lot of the members may uh, will will miss that. Obviously, don't you think? I think so, because we're in our job for a reason, we're respected in our communities, but we want to be there for the community. And and this is a time where it does look different for us. To put a piece of paper on our our front door yesterday that said that the fire station was closed to public access, never thought I'd see that in my career. No kidding. I mean, that's, again, unprecedented is uh, one of the words that we've been been using uh, ad nauseum, believe me. What can or what will I guess would be the question, what will the fire service uh, learn from all of this when, when all is said and done? I think uh, supply chain management is going to be a big one. That's probably one of the tougher ones we're working through right now uh, to make sure that we have the PPE resources we need to respond to first responder medical calls. I believe that this is going to challenge conversations around dispatch protocols in regards to interagency response and how we work together to ensure that we're sending the right resources to the right calls uh, as quickly as possible, but at the same time sharing all the information that uh, responders need to, to ensure their safety. I think, you know, every day we have something to learn about mental health. It's okay to put our hand up and say, I'm not okay. As we think about that, that's not a comfortable conversation. Those are some quick thoughts that I have, Tom, about what we have to learn from this. In terms of the uh, the association, and, you, and again, you're president of the uh, Fire Chiefs Association of British Columbia, uh, I guess same question, you know, what can uh, a provincial association who is... Uh, you know, recognized as the voice of the fire service, say in British Columbia or in their individual provinces, what can they learn from from this response and and how they've communicated, how they will continue to communicate, and how they will best represent their their members and their service within their boundaries? I think what we can do is, as I said earlier, we can provide them with the best information we can. You know, uh, I had a question the other day about when's the fire chief association going to tell us what to do in a certain scenario and and I, I can't tell a member what to do. That's not the role of the association. But what the role of the association is, is to support our members. And when we support our members and, and are that voice of the fire service, we provide well thought out, consistent information that empowers our members to be successful in leading their individual fire services. It makes total sense that you say, you know, empowering the members and, and being there for them to provide information, but it, it's, it is kind of comforting when they turn to the association looking for that information and knowing that the fire service will entrust uh, the organization or, or their organization for that information, don't you think? Yeah, I was asked last night, so I can't remember the specific question, and I was like, whew, didn't see this one coming, you know, from the perspective of uh, 
being in this leadership role for our association, for our members. I mean, it's uh, not just myself, it's it's the entire board and, and, and membership of the association. Like we are a group that steps up to lead and support each other. The board and the executive, we take that one step further. And we're very proud and honored of that responsibility to provide timely information to our members and, and support them. So we don't take it lightly. We take it home with us, but we are doing uh, the best job we can to support the members. I think in terms of support, and, and I, I think back to, again, the volunteer fire service that I, I can't help but think will have a serious impact in terms of the availability of the members and where they come from. I mean, these a lot in small communities are self-employed. It's it, that, that That's what I think is the business continuity issue, if you will, of, of being a volunteer fire department once this is done. We suspended practices for our regional district uh, last night. We did that for the right reasons because you have, call it, 20 people come together from 20 different businesses that then practice with a face mask and different things. And, and then they go back out to those businesses the next day. And what a perfect Petri glass to spread this virus, right? And so for the right decisions, we decided to suspend our, our training. At the same time, we need to maintain our training. And how do we do that so that our members are ready to respond uh, while we hunker down and uh, and provide social distancing and all these different things as we work through the, the control and spread of the virus. And I think as fire service leaders, we have an opportunity to use new mediums to keep our members engaged, whether that be taking it old school, pick up your uh, IFSTA manual, pick up your Jones and Bartlett, do some reading of that instead of a novel. Is there a podcast you could, as a chief, send out to your members to listen to or a video for them to watch? To ensure that we keep them engaged and and part of our our, uh, our valuable service. Have you heard of anything uh, unique out of this in terms of some innovations across Canada? I've been trying to find out what other people are doing, and some of the ideas you've just given are some prime examples. And I'm sure there must be some uh, virtual training going on out there somewhere. Yeah, like I think back to the days of I think it was Action had a program, Action CDs or something, where we did it online. Um, but, you know, there's things like Google Hangouts, Skype, Zoom meetings, like all of these things are opportunities for us old guys to engage technology. I, I, I kind of laugh as I say that, Tom, um, I rushed to get on the call this afternoon here with you because I wanted to hear what the premier had to say about today's announcements from the province. Specifically for me, what does this look like for grade 12, right? Exactly. So the changes that are coming are having impacts to, uh, again, us and our and our members and our members members families um is is there a silver lining in any of this at all uh, i mean i always try and find the 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 benefits and the bonuses if you will that you know we're lucky that that obviously we live where we live and and we we're dealing with things the way we deal with them but in terms of silver linings and emergency management are we are we having any of those moments I think so. You know, like uh, locally for us here, we went through 2018, the biggest flood in BC history in decades, right? We were already starting our freshet planning. We had the EOC activated for that, and now we're, we have it activated for pandemic planning as well. Uh, I think from an emergency management perspective, getting people's attention when it comes to uh, personal preparedness and personal responsibility for what's our plan at home to ride out something like this and to support each other. This is an opportunity to, to, to really get to that personal 
preparedness level and and help me help you. I think in our communities, uh, we're starting to see things like um, how can we support our neighbors? How can we support our friends? How can we support the elderly that lives around the corner? And, and there's great things happening on social media and get people getting engaged to make those connections and support. I think there's a real community going to come out of this uh, from that perspective of let's take a step back and really focus on what's important for a change. And, and I think that is a real silver lining out of this. We can't do it as a government provider on our own. Everybody has a responsibility to um, self-isolate if they find themselves asymptomatic to, uh, to the virus. But how do we maintain community and, and not hoard supplies, but actually share supplies where you can and, and really just take care of one another and, and support each other? It's, uh, it's amazing how different parts of Canada are impacted. And then in terms of, uh, I guess, comparisons, that they are impacted the same way, no matter whether you live in a, a rural area or the, in the urban areas. Uh, it's, it's unique to, to all of us. And again, I think, good point, I think the idea that that personal preparedness message is only going to get further uh, furthered, if you will, as a result of this. And uh, I think obviously we see some opportunities to to make sure we keep that message that message going. Uh, that that's going to be as important at the end to maintain that momentum of having people being prepared for themselves. Uh, this 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 is one event. What about the next one? I I, I think you're totally correct. And I think that uh, this might actually be easier in our rural communities than it is in a metro environment. You know, social distancing and getting out for a walk and those sort of things, like pretty easy to do in my neighborhood. A lot more challenging to do in a in a in a metro neighborhood. Precisely, and I think it depends again on the, on where you are in the country and the weather. I mean, British Columbia, uh, fortunate to have some. Uh, uh, Double-digit uh, temperatures and sunshine uh, during this uh, this period that we are we're speaking, and again uh, that is that opportunity to to maybe take a take a pause and and get out and and explore the outdoors uh, yourself and uh, and take advantage, if you will, of the opportunity if we're allowed to use that word during this time. Yeah, I I think there is an opportunity to connect with our family, connect with our friends, connect with our community. That's what, you know, what, what grounds me, you know, at the end of the day is, is uh, how, you know, we need to start with taking care of ourselves first. What's our self-care plan? Um, taking care of our, as fire service leaders, taking care of our members, making sure that we're doing the best job we can to, to support them. And, and then ultimately responding to the calls that are put in front of us. And, and uh, the one thing I'm telling our members as I'm speaking with them is that this is changing just like any incident we go to where we make a decision and then we make another one because we've got new information. It's it's the same thing on a totally different scale. Um, and we're not necessarily seeing the fire behavior that would uh, challenge us to make a new decision. But what we have to do is trust that when something uh, comes down from the health authority, from the province, from the federal government, that it's well thought out. It's the direction we require, and it's a decision that's made, and we need to respect and implement it. You, you and I are not medical practitioners, uh, but in my world, and I don't know if you if you you've experienced it, but as a fire chief, as a as an emergency responder, I find that a lot of people come up and ask me questions from the public about the uh, about the crisis and and uh, what's going on, and I try and deliver what I can. But do you do you have that experience in your community? Yeah, and, and what we're trying to do is, uh, just like the Fire Chiefs Association, we're putting out uh, regular situation reports, and we're directing, uh, not only are we providing 
specific information, but it, it, we're also directing uh, members uh, both through the Fire Chiefs Association and at the local level at the regional district here. We're driving them back to Health Canada, to the Provincial Ministry of Health, to you know, to those authorities for the for the factual information. Dan, I appreciate it. I think the uh, underlying message of the day is we will obviously learn good things uh, out of this as we we always do in the fire service and uh, we will get through this. Uh, We will get through this. Tom, uh, thanks for the opportunity to to chat this afternoon. It's always a pleasure and we got to remember if we can't look after ourselves first, we can't be there for the community. So it's it's time to really reevaluate where we're at, support our members, uh, the women and men of the fire service, they're the ones that the community see in front of us, and, and it's our job to support them and make sure they're safe out there. Thank you, Regional Fire Chief uh, Dan Derby in Trail, British Columbia. Dan, be well. Thank you. Be well. Be safe. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.